I'm sorry, what was that album? Mr. Playboy Penguin Drums be like, God is a thought. Tricked me into that, you motherfucker. I did. I'm so mad. Hello, and welcome to Imagine Me and Mawar You Penguin Drum. This one is the least elegant of all my attempts to shove the names together. I am Panda. I am your host. I am here with Alice, who I tricked into saying something funny for the beginning of the podcast. Hi, Alice. How are you? I'm doing all right. And we are also here with Cass. Hi, Cass. Hi. I am doing all right, even though my audio is going off and on bad and good. We will hopefully be able to continue recording. I believe in all of us. And if not, I'll just scrap this and I'll save this and upload it to Patreon. And then we can do a real recording uh, on Saturday. Uh, or at least try to but we are here to talk about the last ikuhara anime project that we have to cover which is a weird feeling it is uh 2011's mawaru penguin drum this was the hotly anticipated follow-up to revolutionary girl utsuna because it had been 10 years since Utsuna ended before Penguin Drum started to come out. And people were like, what's that funky guy up to? And apparently it was this. Penguin Drum was produced by Brains Base, which was not a studio whose name brought anything to mind. But when I looked it up, I've actually seen several Brains Base series such as Princess Jellyfish, uh, My Teen Romantic Comedy Snafu, and this one I've heard of but not seen, My Little Monster. I've not actually seen any of these. I've heard of them, but I've not actually seen any of them. I love Princess Jellyfish. I liked My Teen Romantic Comedy Snafu in college. I've not seen it since, so I and it got another season, so I have no idea how that is. But I see My Little Monster on Netflix sometimes, I think. The series was written by Konohiko Ikuhara and Takayo Ikami. It was co-directed by Ikuhara and uh, Shoko Nakamura. It was broadcast in Japan from July 8th, 2011 to December 23rd, 2011. The premise of the show... I'm lifting this directly from Wikipedia, and it is a terminally ill girl named Himari Takakura is miraculously saved from death by a strange spirit who resides in a penguin-shaped hat. However, in exchange for extending her life, the spirit tasks Himari's brothers, Kanba and Shoma, to seek out the elusive item known as the Penguin Drum with the assistance of a trio of strange penguins. Now, I don't know about the two of you, but when this I was- This is a lie. Well, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> this premise is a lie, and we will get to that. <laughs> 
Well, no, that technically, you, you know, I feel like we technically cover that in the first episode, at least. No, 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 like, all, all of that is true. All of that is true, but also... <laughs> This premise is a fucking lie. I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was watching, because I've seen some of Penguin Drum before. I don't even remember how many episodes I ended up watching the first time, but I have seen some of it before. And when I was rewatching the episode for tonight's recording, I thought of uh, one of my favorite Tumblr posts, which is... It's it has a screen cap that says no results found for Walter White's hat is haunted and when he puts it on it makes him evil and then the uh caption my apparently very exclusive breaking bad fan theory and <laughs> that's what I think about him Ari and her big Oh my hat. god <laughs> <laughs> So um Cass why why is this premise a lie Okay so it is all of the, what you read from the Wikipedia article is technically correct. <laughs> this series is about Himari Takakura, who is miraculously saved from death, specifically death by what looks like a brain tumor, by some kind of entity that lives in a penguin-shaped hat. Notably, I, I did watch both episodes one and two for this, and they speculate that it might be an alien, though, so maybe they'll confirm it's a spirit at some point. I don't know, but the, the existence of what is in there is a little open-ended. But in exchange for extending her life, her brothers are in fact asked to get the Penguin Drum, an item which is of... no one knows what the fuck it is. <laughs> the work is mysterious and important. That's a reference that'll resonate with somebody, I'm sure. Yeah, it is, it is literally... they are told nothing about what it is. <laughs> Nope. Uh, par for the course with an Ikuhara anime. And there are there are strange penguins. We should we should be clear about that. And they are very cute. They are. What is not made obvious from this is this anime is about fucked up people going through sexual awakening. Okay, I mean that's that's just why they put Ikuhara's name on it. It should no. function essentially as like <laughs> a as a content warning. I mean, it should, but also. <laughs> this one hit me way harder. And I think the reason for that is you, you're not really prepared for it going in. Could anybody ever really be prepared? You could never really be prepared. But like Yuri Kuma sets the tone of welcome to this is the kind of show you're going to watch. Like within the first 32 seconds to a minute. Mm -hmm. And just reading the premise, like you go, okay, this is this is not going to be a normal show. Utna sets its tone pretty quickly and it... It goes to some dark places, but in general, Utna is, like, willing to do a slow boil. It wants to boil you like the fucking frog, from everyone's favorite health class analogy. <laughs> Mamoru Penguin Drum is, like, the intermediary approach. Alice actually made the joke that we, we found the missing link between Utna and uh, Yurikuma. I mean, it is watching. actually quite Put literally. Put a pin in that, because I had an epiphany, actually, after watching the first episode of this. Oh boy, yeah, Alice, save that for after yes. we, because we are going to watch the first episode together. But put put a pin in that, and I would love to know. I also, I have another question for you, Alice. You posted in our group chat while you were watching this episode, and I'm going to... I'm going to quote you here because it's very important that I get Do you your, have to? I'm it's very important that I get your specific language a hundred percent correct. And oh it my is God. 
Ikuni, you fucking motherfucker, I'm gonna kill you in real life Minecraft. And <laughs> the best part... What have I done to you today? Like The you best just... part of this sentence is that I have no fucking idea what you're referring to. So <laughs> I am excited to watch this episode and find out what inspired this reaction. <laughs> I love that you also missed where I speculated on how one of the characters gave me like a version of the fight or flight response. For, oh, I did. Specifically for if they look like Toboy or not, which is also, I personally think, is also probably one of the funnier things I've said at least in the last 48 hours. That's true. I just, there's such, there's such a poetic resonance to, I'm going to kill you in real life Minecraft. (laughs) I was so mad. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. So Cass, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the... The premise of this show. Yes. Okay. Content warning specifically, the show buries the lead. Yeah. It takes 23 minutes of the first 23 minute long episode, essentially, for the show to drop the the panel on you that makes you go, oh, this is what this is going to be about, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, no. And once it happens, a lot of the everything in the abstract imagery it's using slowly begins to click into place. I also got spoiled on one hyper-significant plot detail, which makes the specific emphasis on subway lines make so much more sense to me now. I'm not sure how I feel about it, but... Ooh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about the the train imagery and stuff. I don't... Because I don't remember how far I got in the show, I am also not sure if I know what spoiler you're referring to, so it'll be fun to keep that in your back pocket. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the train imagery because when I watched this for the first time, it was right, like literally right after I had been in Japan for the Black Rose musical trip. And so it was like, it was like nostalgia for something that happened like a week ago to see them riding around on the train all the time. Yeah, fully though, fully. I have to stress this. Can I just tell, can I tell our our listeners why I'm freaking the fuck out? I feel like I would like for that. Yeah, I would like to keep some of this like relatively like spoiler free up until like whatever episode we're on kind of the way when we uh were doing utana uh, and oh no, no, no and- not not the the subway one the the bury the lead in episode one, one. Oh yes sorry the, the one pertaining to this episode i should be cl- i should have been clear about that i'm sorry okay. no you're good yeah sure uh content warning siscon oh yeah i mean yeah yeah Content warning Siscon is basically the, ti- the subtitle of Maluru Penguin Drum. This is an anime about a lot of things from what I can tell, but... I think it's I, mostly about penguins. I can't believe that Ikuhara made his own version of Old Boy. Why do you make everything about Old Boy? I've never Just seen Old Boy. watch that Old movie Boy. when I was in my very impressionable, and it is, like, stuck in my head. Listener, dear listener, know that my wife and um, our ex-partner Chuck refers everything back eventually to Old Boy. I have never seen Old Boy and I never will. Alice, you're in a similar spot with my wife and the 2009 Will Smith movie Hancock. (laughs) 
I think it was 2009. I don't quite remember, but it was definitely like close to, to 2010. This movie comes up so much in my life for no reason. I have to be, I just have to be honest. It's amazing. Look, people who've seen Old Boy will understand the joke. People who haven't seen Old Boy, if you're going to watch it, watch the original Korean version. Don't watch the Spike Lee version. It's not as good. I'm sorry. Hancock uh, came out in 2008. Just don't watch Old Boy unless you're really, really into like very fucked up movies. Oh, wait. Okay. So I just remembered that I do actually know spoilers for Old Boy and now I now I know why you're talking about this. Yes! Now you know! Listen, it took me a second. I remembered that I read the Wikipedia page for Old Boy once because I knew I was never going to watch it for, I mean, you know, reasons. <laughs> yeah, look, the, I, you. It's an intense movie, is what I understand. For Lady Vengeance with us and Yasha and Vana instead. And that is all the Park Chan book you need. Yeah, I mean, that movie rules. But yeah, I guess. Um... <laughs> Unfortunately, Alice, I have to side with Cass here. This old boy is uh, kind of relevant here. That's fine. I mean, you know, <laughs> the the snap machine at work didn't have any more cheesy crackers. Life is ashes in my mouth. You know, it's whatever. <laughs> Cass, did you do you have anything else? Um, I move on to my next. Let, let's yes. just wa- let's uh, watch I, the fucking I, I show. I apologize that I had to buy you peanut butter crackers today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was gonna, I have a couple more things, uh, I, yeah, let's even though we, here. we have sort of lost the plot here. The character designs for this show were done by, uh, Lily Hoshino, who is known for her work in, uh, BL, uh, manga. I was not familiar with any of her work and most of them don't have Wikipedia pages. So, uh, I didn't feel like digging too deep into that, but that Lily Hoshina is a name I've heard before. And I actually, I really like all of the character designs in this. Uh, they are, we have talked about this before about how they kind of look like the boys from Sarah's and my, the two brothers, they look like Kazuki and toy a little bit. And I just love like the way that Ikuhara like re- recycles these character concepts into new bits. It makes for an interesting intertextuality between everything. The music in Moaru Penguin Drum is pretty important. There's a lot of music in the show. There are two openings and nine ending themes that we will hear over the course of the show in addition to some other like interstitial songs most of the songs are performed by the in-universe band triple h we will learn more about triple h as we watch more of the show we may also have a guest who has expressed interest in coming on to talk about uh, triple h's music in the future so i'm excited about that in 2019, Polygon.com named Penguin Drum one of its best anime of the 2010s. And a manga adaptation of Penguin Drum by Isuzu Shibata began serialization in Comic Burrs, which is not a magazine that I had ever heard of. Uh, it, it started two years after the end of the anime from May 30th, 2013 to January 30th, 2017. It is five volumes. It was licensed in English by uh, Seven Seas Entertainment and was published between 2019 and 2021. And then a two-part compilation film called Recycle of Penguin Drum was funded through uh, crowdfunding, 
which I don't think that they were allowing people outside of Japan to donate, but apparently it met its funding goal like the day that the campaign started. So that's pretty cool. And these movies started airing uh, this year in 2022. The first part came out on uh, April 29th, 2022. The second part will come out in July 22, 2022. That's a lot of twos. I have not really heard anything about the latest Penguin Drum. Like, I have not heard very much about Recycle of Penguin Drum other than, like, I've seen, you know, like, key art and uh, trailers, but there isn't any news of any English release or international release. I know some people have talked about wanting to see it in theaters. I really doubt that that's gonna happen especially like the the critical misfire of the utina movie in the united states has kind of kept ikuhara projects from trying to get into u.s theaters for a long time and i don't see that changing with penguin drum but i would love to be pleasantly surprised uh what did you guys know about penguin drum going in did either of you have any sort of familiarity with it I knew that a girl with a penguin hat yells about survival tactics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Yep, that's that's the show, actually. I knew that the openings rip. Yeah, that's uh, true. They're both really good. I knew a little bit about Triple H because I looked a little bit, I looked up the openings, and so I've heard like a little bit of their music before I watched the show. I also knew going in... I had heard something that should have prepared me for content warning CISCON, but I did not understand the context, and now I do, which is part of why I'm freaking out. And I, I'd accidentally heard the the majorest spoiler, I think, in the series, which I feel really weird about now because, oh, you know. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, specifically because it has to do with something in the real world that inspired the uh, And I've been warning about that incident. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, there's like, a, this is also a sort of a buried lead is that uh, similar to <laughs> Yuri Kuma, uh, Moar Penguin Drum kind of has an, a, a real life inspiration but just like yuri kuma it is weirdly executed and i know even among our audience from people that i have talked to there uh, is a lot of split opinion on how all that plays out so we will reserve our own judgments for when we get there yeah. I would ask maybe try not to do too much research if you can. Just, you know, so that that doesn't oh, yeah. so that we don't like get ahead of ourselves uh cuz we've this is a kind of a long show. Yeah, it's it's like 20 some episodes. I'm not I'm not I I'm just communicating what I already heard Yeah, like, okay. before going in. The last thing I know about it is at some point there is a shot that references Night on the Galactic Railroad and that is all I know. Okay, well, um, I would not really have context for that, so we'll, we'll get there nothing. when we get there. We all have various degrees of knowing things. I know the Galactic Railroad was written by my favorite Japanese poet. Nice. All right, well, if that is all of the things that we need to 
say before we get started. Also, I dropped the in the chat. Oh the, my god, that's great! The picture that is going to be part of our icon art of Alice yes. as Kimari and uh, one of the penguins. Yes. Clearly, I'm present as the hat. <laughs> we start with an unseen narrator saying that they hate the word fate, birth, encounters, pairings, success and failure, fortune, misfortune. If everything is already set in stone by fate, then why are we even born? There are those who are born wealthy, those born of beautiful mothers, and those born into war or poverty. And we see a picture of uh, a family and a girl in a bed. If everything is caused by fate, then God must be incredibly unfair and cruel. Wow, sounds like somebody has had their first like teen philosophical epiphany. <laughs> Welcome to the problem of evil. I will be your host. Uh, Alice, would you like to begin the uh, group discussion? <laughs> Babby's first the Odyssey. Right. Because ever since that day, none of us had a future. And we're, we kind of pan back from uh, the girl in the bed is obviously uh, Himari and seeing uh, her room. I want to live in this room. It's yeah, it's very cute. It's got a lot of it's a lot of clutter, but in like that cozy anime clutter like there's like a whole bunch of books and like a cute little mushroom lamp and like a sewing machine and she's got a big comfy bed with a canopy on it and the narrator voice who is one of her brothers uh we don't know that yet but it is uh says the only thing we knew was that we would never amount to anything it's like little chloe stars going across the screen and we get our intro i like this song a lot this I is another like an very similar to yuri kuma it's kind of like whispery breathy but it, so it's like higher energy yeah this is definitely uh the the musical aesthetic is more like rock like pop rock if you gave this band drugs, they would literally be like, they, I, I would think that they were from um, one of the um, Japanese math rock mixes that I used to listen to on YouTube all the time. Also, I want to point out that we see the weird bear vex in the intro. Yeah, I definitely give me Irakuma vibes. I forgot they were in this entirely because you don't really like see them as much. At least like you see them in like that sequence for the okay, survival tactic. I need you to acknowledge that there is a person in the intro standing in front of what looks like a gate and it get and it's straight up just, oh, that's the student council. Yeah. It does. That's just the it's student look, council again. It looks this like the totally student council elevator. And also um, the scene right before there, we see a character who has big ringlet curls like Jury. Yep. I know who some of these characters are because I watched episode two. Uh, mm -hmm. Not the jury girl, but I know uh, who that guy is. And I think I understand why they're doing the shot there. But we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, we can see right now that there are three penguins and like an emperor style penguin. who will Also, Himari needs to stop dropping this later. goddamn apple. Yeah. <laughs> Get it together, Himari. Himari, you're, I know you're dying, but there's no excuse. Why do you keep dropping the apple? That's good food. <laughs> uh, we open on their house in Japan, and it is very cute, a little ramshackle, but like charming. It looks like they built the house partially out of just like whatever stuff they had in a shed. Yeah, 
They are eating a breakfast that Shoma has prepared and it looks delicious. There's like rice and like an egg omelet. And then it's Blue Toboy. <laughs> yeah, it he looks like he's like Toei and also Toboy. So uh simultaneously you know. somehow. And the brothers are watching intently as Himari takes a sip of her miso soup and they are excited that she likes it. She says it's been a long it's been so long since I last had hot miso soup. And we get some ex uh exposition that the soups in the hospital she was in were always cold by the time they got to her. And also, more importantly, shows miso soup tastes just like their mom's. And that's why Himari loves it. So heartwarming. Shoma memorized all the clearance days in nearby supermarkets. I would like to point out here, um, the uh, subtitles have Himari say that she's telling Sho, you'll make a great husband. The English dub uh, has a little different bent on that line. Would you guys like to know what they said in the English dub? I could say because I was listening, to, watching in English. Ooh, they say yes. that you'll make a great wife one day, <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh out loud and made me instantly won me over. Yeah, dub. I thought it was kind of cute. At honestly. least for a moment. This dub, I actually like I. Don't remember how everyone's voices are, but like in the first episode, everyone is pretty good. Like, yeah, they're I'm notoriously an Utena dub defender, but like this dub is actually like it. It's not as uh well. It's not as '90s dub. Show is embarrassed that everyone likes his food, and Kamba says that uh, he gave Show his secret recipe for the egg omelet, so they they turned out perfect. It, it was literally just a TV cooking recipe, apparently. It was just but a Kamba, TV recipe. But Kamba declares that it totally counts because he added chili oil, which wasn't on the TV, so there. <laughs> which, I mean, to be fair, chili oil makes everything better. Yeah, one one thing that they're kind of emphasizing through, like, the backgrounds here and also talking about clearance and stuff, these kids are not well off. No, not at all. The, the house is very, like, it looks like it's falling apart in places, and there's clearly stuff that needs to be repaired. Like, miso and egg is a very basic, it's a good breakfast, but it's a very basic breakfast. That's mm -hmm. like, so the fact that, like, he's zhuzhing it up kind of shows that, like, he's been doing this for a long time. He's accustomed to taking cheap ingredients and cooking good shit with them. Yeah, he's working with what they've got. Yeah. Anyway, I say that they're poor, but like next episode, they're going to have some shit that makes me question that. <laughs> well, I mean, that also can come down to like TV, like, you know, even poor characters on TV usually aren't that poor. Yeah, so. I, the, the plot required certain things to exist. And so mm -hmm. they did. We are getting a flashback to the hospital that Himari was in. And the subtitles say, the brothers receive the sad news from the doctor. It's too cruel if it's fate. Uh, this title card they're using is what every flashback in the show so far that I've seen. Uh, has is that like from the, a subway or something? Yes, it's a yeah. information board from a subway showing an uh, upcoming arrivals and departures. We see the boys in uh, a doctor's office uh, with like a a bunch of brain scans on a screen and the doctor is saying, I'm sorry to inform you, there's nothing modern medical technology can do for her now. Your sister has at best a few months to live, which 
sucks. Kamba kind of flips out on the doctor and is like grabbing his collar and yelling at him and is like, like, what do we need to do? Like, do we need to get money? Like, we'll get money. If she can't get surgery in Japan, we will take her overseas. If she needs organs, she can have my organs. Like, this guy means business. Yeah, the they're just kind of shot down mercilessly. The doctor basically goes, do I look like God to you? <laughs> Kamba says he'll pay the price no matter how high, but uh, doctors aren't gods. Yep. Notably, like, beside them, the things they're looking over, it looks like a brain scan. Mm -hmm. And from the shading on it, it looks like whatever's going on with Himari is some variety of inoperable brain tumor. Yeah. Where it's like, it's just too malignant. It's gone too far already. You know, Mm -hmm. any attempt to remove it would probably kill her. And uh, Kamba... As he is crying on the floor, says God must not even exist. And we're back in the current day. Himari is full from eating breakfast and uh, is laying on the couch. And we get a shot of her feet. Thanks, Ikuhara. She says it's Himari day. Yep, because Shoma told her that she can do whatever she wants. So it's Himari day. Sound logic. I can't argue with that. Anyway, the apple is the universe. <laughs> we see these boys walking by uh, and they are having a conversation. And one of them is saying, like I said, the apple is the universe itself. A tiny universe in the palm of your hand. It's what connects this world to the other world. The Silvagin. Yeah. The world Campanella and other passengers are heading to. That's a reference to Ginga, to, uh, sorry, that's a reference to Night on the Galactic Railroad. Okay, yeah, I was gonna ask if you knew what that was about, because I had a feeling you would. Do you want to tell us about Night on the Galactic Railroad? Because I I love to. Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know anything about it, so. Night on the Galactic Railroad is a Japanese novel, I'm trying to remember the exact time period it would have been written by in, but it was written by, holy shit, I need to Google this guy's name real fast, one moment. Kenji Miyazawa, I always forget his name, which is very silly. He's one of my favorite poets, purely off the back of uh, Be Undefeated by the Rain, which is one of my favorite poems ever. Oh, it's that one. I know what this is now. Yes. So this is probably the most Ikuhara thing that Ikuhara did not ever write, by the way. Lol. So Night on the Galactic Railroad is a story about a lot of things, but... It's basically kind of like a magical realist story about death, among other things. It's about two young boys, Giovanni and Campanella, and Giovanni has a really hard life and finds himself in like, you know, his his he's living alone with his mother. His father's kind of walked out on them, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the story kicks off when he and Campanella go and start go stargazing after being he's been taunted by their peers and they end up on a magical train that carries them through the stars. It has many stops and like they talk about the various constellations and things they see. Campanella eventually, the train runs through heaven, actual heaven. And after it gets out of heaven, they go toward a hole in the sky. Campanella believes he sees the true heaven and suddenly disappears from the train. Giovanni returns to reality and finds out that Campanella straight up drowned, Ooh. trying to save another boy from a river. So this was kind of like a weird little 
journey he got last journey he got to have with his friend into heaven a boy trying to save someone from drowning in a river uh also something that has come up in very specifically in an ikuhara work before that's part of like the the backstory that jury talks about in utana yeah so this this is a pretty classical it's from the 1930s it's a pretty seminal work of japanese uh literature and especially Mm -hmm. like the best way I could describe it is it kind of operates on the level of if you've ever read Dandelion Wine by Ray Bradbury, it's kind of that kind of thing. It's a book that's written for children, but written so you understand more of what it's doing as you become an adult. Okay. There is also a very, very kind of famous uh, 1985 anime version of it uh, that was made as a film that adds some additional elements and that I am like 99% certain that Ikuhara definitely saw. Oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it is notable here for a lot of reasons, the whole like universe thing. But one of them is the moral of the story is that at the end of the story, Giovanni decides that he knows where Campanella really is, that he's not just dead. He's just waiting at the edge of the universe and he vows to, like, bring happiness to others throughout life the way Campanella did to him and one day be reunited with him. So it's a story about kind of persevering in the face of the loss of a loved one. So you're telling me that, uh... You are coming down with me <laughs> Hand in unlovable hand and I hope you die <laughs> No, the opposite of hoping you will really? die. Yes. Really? Really? <laughs> uh, I mean... Did three I do for that three on me tonight. Just because I wanted to use the sound clip, yes. I, I'm gonna be real. We have a little sign that just says It has been zero episodes since we referenced No Children by the Mountain Goat. Yes. <laughs> Panda, don't make me tap the sign. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, we did in fact that is what's going on here, is it's kind okay. of the episode's already setting up. Himari is going to die. Oh, I just noticed that they've got a little penguin magnet. I've been making some clay magnets recently. I might make myself a little penguin magnet. Yep. Gotta get that branding on point. Also, there's a butterfly, which has connotations related to the soul. Yeah, the uh, the boys are talking about what does any what does that have anything to do with an apple? And the other boy says the apple is also a reward for those chosen to die for love. And we can actually see uh, some foreshadowing of a couple of characters that we will meet later uh, on one of these mugs. Yep. But everything's over when you're dead. It's not over. What Kenji was trying to say is that's actually where everything begins. Kenji is Kenji Miyazawa. Mm -hmm. I'm not following you at all. It's me talking to Alice most of the time. (laughs) Kenji Miyazawa also appears as a character in the anime Bungo Stray Dogs. Where he has super strength and is an anime boy. Okay. No, I will not explain how I know this or why I care about it. I believe that Bungo Stray Dogs also came up in the Wolf's Rain episode. <laughs> Bungo Stray Dogs is a fucking treasure trove of just the weirdest ways I can reference Japanese, actual classical Japanese authors, some of whom I've now read. We see the boys are obviously walking by Kimari, Shoma, and Kamba's house, and we can see like where they have like done notches on a door frame to indicate like their height as they've grown older. Kimari says, This is bliss, isn't it? And Kamba thinks it sure is. 
Himari is here, Shoma is here, and we're all together in this house. Uh, Cass, what are what are those up on the? Do you know what that is? I cannot recognize it by sight, but I'm going to make a guess that it's probably some kind of either family registry thing or a death certificate. Yeah, I was thinking it might be some sort of death certificate for like each of their parents, but I was just wondering if you might happen to know. I'm sorry. Kanji are not my strong suit. Oh, no, I just meant like you might have known like just from what the the form looked like, not like reading it. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't expect expect you to read it. Because I can't read Kanji, I haven't been able to like catch a lot of details about forms and such. Because that's usually how I would pick them out. Well, I was thinking more like, is it commonplace for like, you know, a Japanese person to to put their registry and display paperwork like that? Okay. But like, as far as, you know, how common it would be to like have a framed death certificate, like usually you would have like a little household shrine. Okay. Because you'd have the little Buddhist funerary shrine with like a photo of the deceased uh, nearby and they don't have that. So hard for me to tell. Himari says, hey, do you think there are still penguins in the aquarium? And we see a shot outside of just like, you know, cars and stuff like outside the train and people outside the train station. And there's Sarazanoi people. Yeah, uh, very notably, we have a similar thing like in Sarazanmai where all of the like ordinary bystander type people are just like little cutouts. And we see the uh, the train, the gate to get in. Uh, turnstile, that's the word I'm looking for. We see the turnstile for the train. And in the train, Himari is singing a little song about sea otters. And she asks Kamba to do a sea otter impression. Also, double H on the, t- on the uh, train advertisement. Yes. Reminding us to throw away our garbage correctly, as if I remember this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're they're double H right now. Only two H's. I really love these little animated bits PSAs. With, with with double these little animated PSAs with double H. We see them telling us our garbage goes in the garbage bin. Yep, that's today's slogan. And just as Shoma is uh, getting a bit of Schadenfreude from Himari teasing. Kamba about his otter impression. Kamba brings up his seahorse imitation. Which I, I don't even know what that would look like, but uh, Himari's excited about it, yeah, so it must no have idea. been something. And we, uh, we're we in Ikebukuro. This is a real statue that exists. I've seen it, and it looks exactly like this. Oh, uh, where is it? It's in Ikebukuro by the train station. Uh, where is that? In Tokyo. Ikebukuro is one of the districts of Tokyo. Oh, okay. Yes, and it's where most of this series takes place. I only spent one day in Ikebukuro, but it was very cool. Just as a point here, it's actually interesting to me that we get a hyper-realist, a a much more realistic drawing, like, images here of penguins. Well, yeah, these are real penguins. Yeah, the same thing that we get the stylized, because anime, I find that anime can be weird about animals and how it treats animals and the and in its general stylization yeah so it's kind of interesting just as a little aside it's interesting that you they go out of their way to show you multiple different shots of this is how penguins look so that you are encouraged to think of the way think of the cartoony penguins later as being very cartoony yeah yeah these are very real normal fucking penguins 
and Himari loves them. She's talking about how they're such good swimmers, but uh, that makes them goofy on land. Kanba's phone starts ringing. Apparently, he gets calls from girls a lot. Yeah, uh, I he guess. goes off to take it. And <laughs> Show says, "I don't want to be infected by yucky Playboy Kanba germs." Yep. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Himari is kind of fixates for a minute on a young boy and his parents going to see the penguins. And it's a very pensive expression before she gets kind of pulled away by Shoma to uh, buy souvenirs. He says he'll get her anything she wants today. And we see three suspicious-looking color-coded trash cans. Yep. And And each of them has a penguin. We see little penguin heads pop out of them for a second as uh, Himari reminds Sho that it's Himari Day. Sho turns around to try and catch the penguins poking their heads out of the trash cans, but by the time he is able to turn around, they have ducked back down, and uh, Sho decides it must have been his imagination, even though we see there are definitely penguins in there. (laughs) Well, penguins. We saw real penguins. (laughs) I love museum gift shops and... Yep. Uh, Speaking of museum gift shops, uh, again, 9800, that would have been... Yeah, that would have been like 70 plus dollars for that fucking stuffed sea otter, which is a ripoff by gift shop standards, even. Yeah, gift shop plushies can be expensive, but that's like expensive. Yeah. How do you know how much yens is, is a dollar? It used to be uh, like a thousand yen used to be about nine bucks. And yeah. I remember that because of a plot point in the manga Hikaru no Ko. Okay. Uh, which was one of my first exposures to Japanese to English currency conversion. At the time of that chapter being published, uh, 1,000 yen was about 9 US dollars. So 9,800 yen, about 10,000 yen, that would be close to $90 at that point. And given inflation's happened since then, I don't even know what it would be at the time this episode was filmed. As she is looking through all the plushies, Himari finds a strange looking penguin hat and declares herself queen it is a rock hopper penguin show says that it is disgustingly cute and himari does a little twirl the shopkeeper asks what kind of ribbon uh they want for uh wrapping up the the hat and he shows says they want pink for himari yep and notably uh himari's no longer next to him when kamba shows up yeah. That doesn't. I hope that doesn't mean anything bad happened. Also, I would like to point out the little Kappa plushie that is next to the register in the shop, and the little otter plushie next to it. Hmm. Yuhara playing five D chess with us again. Hmm. All we need is one more anime to come out about that red fish sticker and like. <laughs> <laughs> Ikuhara remakes Ponyo. Uh, Kamba asks where Himari is and chastises show for uh, letting her slip away. Which... And oh no, someone call an ambulance, but not for me, for Himari. Oh, don't make the funny meme sad. That's the worst thing you just said, actually. Genuinely perfect. No nuts. <laughs> uh, I woke up this morning and I chose violence. <laughs> we hear someone outside say that a girl has collapsed and we know it's Himari. Yep. They rush to the front of the aquarium and uh, a group of people is crowded around Himari. She is on the floor. 
They call the ambulance and she is rushed in. She is uh, not in good shape. There's a lot of medical mumbo jumbo. Uh, Basically, we... her heart is flatlining and they're trying to restart it because epinephrine. Mm. Uh, I recognize that. That's um, If I remember that right, that's what's in an EpiPen. It's basically an adrenaline shot. Yeah, this is why we should have had Vana here. <laughs> she could break down all of the uh, medical stuff that's happening right now. Yeah, but all we really need to know is what happens, which is uh, Himari mm-hmm. flatlines. Uh, the yeah. EKG monitor beside her is reading zero. She is medically dead. Yeah. Commercial break. <laughs> so the brothers are in a room with the covered body of Himari. I, they've been given some privacy. This is probably the hospital has set this up so they can kind mm-hmm. of like pay their respects to her and, you know, have some t- quiet time to grieve before they have to start the process of like beginning the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Kanba is the one who is sort of not taking this in stride, but trying to deal with his grief by sort of like reminding himself and Shoma out loud that like this, they knew this was going to happen. He's kind of trying to take control over the situation in any way that he can, just because like, yeah, I mean, this is an awful situation to be in. And like, even if they knew it was going to happen, it's still very hard for the both of them. Unfortunately, Shoma interprets this pragmatism as callousness. Callousness. Yeah. Just fully lashes out at his brother, unfortunately. Yeah. We do hear that like, they're going to contact uncle Ikebis and they can't do the paperwork for this. So yeah, more confirmation that their parents are basically out of their life. Yeah. If those death certificates were earlier weren't actually death certificates, this is about as good as a confirmation of that as we're going to get. Yeah, I imagined that they had something to do with the parents uh, no longer being alive. Now, speaking of that, during this exchange where the two of them are shouting at each other, uh, Shoma asks why this happened, and Kamba says this is probably our punishment. Well, also, Sho says, how dare you say such a heartless thing about your, our sister? He's just trying to deal, and Sho is upset because, you know. I'll admit, this scene actually got to me. Yeah, it's really sad. Which survival time! Yeah. Wholly undercutting the tragedy of this. Himari's not dead! Himari sits up! And she's wearing the penguin hat and she yells survival strategy or survival tactic. If you're watching in English. Yeah. Survival tactic. It's really good. Uh, I I didn't mention that the, in the English dub, Himari is voiced by uh, Monica Rial, who did the English dub voice for Ginkgo in Yurikuma. And notably uh, as Himari has sat up, her eyes look different. They're sort of flat and like pink. Like her eyes are kind of, I don't remember what color her eyes are. I feel like they're kind of pinkish, maybe. Something but like, not like she's drawn this. here makes her look weirdly like angular. Yeah, she, when she is in this, like, I, I think she's called like the, the princess of the crystal or some shit. But when she is in like this, penguin hat mode yeah okay she's got like purple eyes and then they become pink and like kind of flat when she transforms into 
Yeah, I was right. The princess of the crystal. And she becomes more serious and she like looks more angular and her entire demeanor changes and her demeanor and behavior. We will see more about what that means. But uh, she tells them the hat's eyes also change a little bit. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's good. She says, I have come from the destination of your fate. Rejoice, for I have decided to extend this girl's life. If you wish to keep the girl alive. And then the hat slips off. The (laughs) hat just falls off. And uh, Himari goes back to herself. Yeah. She's she's, alive. And she's confused as to what's going on and where she is. But uh, her brothers are just too happy that she is not dead. And they both give her a big hug. And they're crying because it's happy tears. She tells them they're overreacting and uh, Kamba tries to kind of like recover and be like, yeah, I'm acting weird, huh? Himari asks what happened to her, asks if she's in the if she's in a hospital. And meanwhile, Kanba is looking at the penguin hat and uh, they say that they should talk to the doctor about this, which I mean, yeah, duh. So Sho goes to get the doctor and they are back at the house. Shoma is cooking. They're eating, similar to the day before. Everything looks tasty. And Himari wants Sho to teach her how to make eggs like that. Kamba says the miso soup is really good. And Himari says that she'll start work helping out with the housework soon. Yep. So she is not only feeling better, she's also becoming more energetic. Mm-hmm. She even wants seconds. She wants second breakfast. The doctor told her uh, she can start doing uh what she feels comfortable doing she wonders if she can attend school one day or go back to attending school one day so i guess she has been out of school because she has been sick we get another flashback the astonished dr washizuka witnessed the most shocking phenomenon in his medical career a girl put on a hat he says it's unbelievable he'd never imagined she could recover from her condition Not only that, she's stable. It is truly a miracle. Okay, I'm sure that I put in some sort of musical sting to indicate that uh, there was a break here, but we had some technical difficulties during the last recording, so we are picking up for the rest of this episode a couple of days later, and we are... At about the last survival tactic scene of the episode, I believe. Radical. Yeah. It's time for the musical number that every Guhara show comes with. And this song rules. Like I said, it is a uh, a triple or double H uh, song. I think it's a triple H song. And we have a chiptuned version of it as our uh, opening music for this part of the our podcast journey also this train just turned into a rocket booster which is now currently unspooling to form the largest teddy bear on the cosmos (laughs) and then it opens its belly and inside is the character design you've all seen in the promo pictures for himari yelling imagine the princess of the crystal and we see our two brothers and she says, listen, you low lives, you will never amount to anything. And this is when we see that they both have some sort of handcuff type thing uh, around their wrists. Yep. 
and she tells them that they need to obtain the penguin drum and show is uh, understandably like what are you talking about himari she says she is not their sister she has come from the destination of their fate which is a very weird way to say that whatever that yeah. yeah kamba says that the hat is what is controlling himari and show pushes back that it's a novelty hat they bought at the aquarium anyway it's time for the sequence that's going to be playing in every episode from this point forward that i can yeah tell. i well it's i don't know if it's every episode it is a lot of them this is the sequence that they get to reuse mm-hmm. the animation from whenever they want this is ikuhara's climbing the dueling tower from Utna, but for mm-hmm. this show this is ikuhara's uh even though at this point he hasn't done it yet the uh the bear court yes uh, sequence i mean alice and i alice you joked that this show is the lost is the missing link between um Irikuma and Utna. I, yeah, I think we said that uh, in yeah, kind of in the last recording session that this we is did. quite literally the the missing, the missing link. link. Yeah, like it, it it very is Utna and Yurikuma. Anyway, it's time to uh, get gender equality. This time, we're putting the boys on trial. This girl's life has been temporarily extended using my powers, and uh. With every, I'm going to be reading her statements, so just know with every, the end of every statement that the princess of the crystal makes, she is removing a piece of her costume. With magic. She says she is taking the payment for Himari's life. Show says what payment, and a penguin pushes a button behind him and sends him through a trap door. This will be a running gag. It is always funny, in my opinion. Yep. He's now standing on top of two penguins. Yeah. And uh, it's time to initiate the survival tactics. Also, her whole ass costume just fell off. It sure did. And we get a silhouetted scene of Himari pulling something out of Kanba's chest. Very Utena style. But we don't actually like, it's not like a sword or anything like an Utena. She just like pulls something out and it's sort of like an orb. It lo- yeah, it looks like she pulled his heart out. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe we're supposed to get. But what she pulled out was not exactly heart-shaped. And we have a, a voiceover as we look. I think this is setting around their house. And it yep. says, why are people born? Yeah, they seem to have like a lot of like playground equipment near their house. Mm-hmm. If we were created only to suffer... Is it meant as some kind of punishment or a cynical joke? If that's the case, animals that adhere to the survival strategy programmed to their DNA are far more elegant and simple. If there really is an existence worthy of being called God, I want to ask him just one thing. Is there really fate in the universe? And as we are seeing this, we're getting shots of in and around uh, their household. We see uh, some family photos. First, a photo of uh, their parents together and then a photo of their parents with them at the zoo. And there is another little like a there's like a tchotchke on the shelf that is of double Double H. H. Yep, and, and the there's also the little penguin head, which they have a similar shaped magnet. Anyway, show is having nightmares ish about him already being controlled by the hat, which we know because he's talking in his sleep. 
while Kanva continues narrating. If a man ignored his fate, his instinct, and his DNA's commands to love someone, dear God, is he really human? And we see Kanva looking over his sister while she is in bed. Yep. Her mouth sort of twitches while she's laying there. And he just says, just wondering, the lights dim and he moves in to do a smooch and we cut right as their lips meet. And again, I hate the word fate. So first of all, this is an amazing recontextualization of Mm -hmm. that earlier rant to dear God, why did I have to be born her brother when I think she's hot? Yeah, I... Yuri Kuma did not really have any sibling stuff, and this does. Once again, this is our, like, thematic link between Utsuna and Yuri Kuma in a lot of ways, and that is one of them. Also, this ending sequence is amazing. Yeah, it is. Really good. I was going to say that this um, seemed, it's, uh, feel almost feels like a skewering of Evo Psych, evolutionary psychology, but then I realized that using... Um, biological imperatives to justify your your weird incest thing is the most evo like thing i've ever heard of <laughs> see i actually think that um first of all this whole sequence is really cute and it's distracting me yeah we we see in this ending sequence we see himari with the the blue hair and pink haired girls that are in the 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 double h idol unit and they are all like stretching. They're they're the girls from the the train uh, yeah. little animations. They're all stretching like it's uh b- before a performance. Yep, they're wearing identical penguin leotards to the whole princess of the crystal thing. We see scenes of the two of them kind of like adjusting Himari's costume that are mildly suggestive. Yeah, they're pulling down the part of the leotard that covers her butt. Yep. Uh, I can say that because my sisters were in ballet for a couple of years that, like, the way they're framing this is, like, weirdly suggestive, but this is very normal, like, getting ready for a dance performance. Oh, yeah, like, I I did ballet as a child for several years, and, like, you could absolutely have framed this in a way that is not sexual, but the show is doing it in a way that is suggestive. You've got... Like, Himari as the color slightly off-center of the scene and, like, hands coming from off-screen, arms coming from off-screen to futz with her costume in places that are, you know, a- as a as a child would say, like, your no-no zone, your, yep. your breasts, your, your butt. It's very cute, but also, like, there's definitely a certain energy here. Yep. And we see them all getting ready, and one of them is playing maracas, the other's playing a tambourine, Himari's fixing her hair. Someone that we can't see, but who is sort of in the front, like the the foreground, thank you, of the shot is like putting on a, like a long glove on their I think it's actually a stocking. A stocking? I'm not... Yeah, because, like, if I'm looking okay, at this angle yes. right, yeah, that's that's a leg, not an arm. Okay, yeah, I, I had trouble seeing that, but I, I turned my head a little bit, and yeah, that is definitely a foot and a heel, so it's somebody who is uh, clearly, like, sitting down slightly off screen, but in the foreground, putting on some sort of stocking or boot or something. 
Yeah. And then it's the three of them uh, sitting on the floor. Himari is playing a kitar. So is the girl with the pink hair, but hers has sort of like a... Well, actually, both of them have little, like, mouthpieces. So I don't think that's a kitar. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it, Alice, it's not you a would know this better than It's I a melodica. Yeah, yes. There we go. I, yeah, they're, two of them are playing melodicas. Himari's playing hers as a, an actual keyboard. The pink hair girl is playing hers, you know, with the, using the mouthpiece. And then the blue haired girl is playing a recorder. Mm-hmm. Oh, we know. Yeah, yeah. Himari is also playing hers with the mouthpiece. She just has like an elongated mouthpiece. Yeah. And then at the very end, we see Himari with more of a, a trail like the princess of the crystal outfit. This does not look exactly like the princess of the crystal outfit. At least I would have to... It's reminiscent of it, it but it's yeah. not the exact same costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, we see a red string kind of like going out of her hands as well. Yeah, red, uh, extending down from her little finger. Red thread of fate. Yep, uh, and we see a hand dropping an apple in a I starry sky. Dropping apples in this show. Yep, and the red string of fate snakes down and around the apple for a minute. And then we see Himari's hair sort of flowing, and she turns around. And walks off screen. A hand throws up a little star, which bursts into a bunch of little stars. And then there's an apple. And then it's and next time on. Next time on Yurikuma. Or sorry, Yurikuma. Next, next time, time on, on Penguin Drum. I love the word fate, says a woman. Next time on Penguin Drum, someone says, I love the word fate. And the visual here is uh, a, a bath, like a public bathroom. And two of the penguins, uh, these are. The boy penguins we know because uh, neither of them has the little uh, the little bow, and one of them <laughs> is eating toilet paper. The other is using a device to listen through the walls of the stall. We see people in almost every stall except for one, and and the the subtitle. I love the word fate. Nothing in this world is pointless. I believe, I in, believe fate. in fate. And then the penguin gets flushed down the toilet. Also. While we're at it, I just noticed this, and I did not the first time I saw it. Uh, they are in the women's restroom, which yeah. you can tell because everyone's uh, feet that you can see under the stalls, they're wearing women's shoes. Yeah, I didn't mention that, but yes. And we the, the episode finishes with an illustration credited to Lily Hoshino, and it is of Himari with the girl penguin on her head, and something that I don't love, but on the uh, girl penguin's squished tummy it says uh, obese which i guess <laughs> they're just referring to the fact that the penguins are chubby which they are because they are, i mean that, that does make me chuckle a little bit chubby and adorable little chubby, little chubby marshmallow friend. i just don't like the word obese there's a lot of yeah there's yeah. a lot of there's baggage, lot of baggage there, there and uh i'm not gonna like get get into that but yeah, it's it's an illustration of Himari with the girl penguin on her head and uh, Sho standing behind her like, huh? And the the voice said, I'm going to run it back just a sec because I clicked away before the, okay. The, and the subtitle says, let's initiate the survival strategy. And that's the end of the episode. So how do we feel about the episode, about episode one? I don't know how to respond to Maru Penguin Drum. Because every time I think that I have a bead on Maru Penguin Drum, uh, I just think to myself, yeah, but what the fuck is with the brother-sister shit? 
Well, I mean, you know, brother, sister incest stuff is not exactly uncommon for an Ikuhara show. So it's not, but like we've been a little spoiled it's by for it to be the focus of the show to the extent it is in Penguin Drum. Yeah. In the sense that, like, with Nanami and Toga, that was central to their characters, but it didn't directly reflect, say, on Utna and Anthe. Well, it reflected well, on Anthe, but it reflected... I, I was gonna say Anthe. But, like, there's a... There's kind of more of a direct thing there where, like, by the time that's set up, the show's given you a little while to acclimate to the cast and what the stakes are and what the show is going to be about. Mm-hmm. This show leads with it in a way that is very blunt by comparison, suggesting that, like, it is even more so going to be a point of focus. Mm-hmm. And given it's an Ikuhara show, it's probably... I don't think Ikuhara is about to make a show where the moral of the story is it's okay to want to fuck your sister. Well, considering that the entire... I I mean, I'm not gonna, like, make any assumptions about the intentions of making Utena, but, like, I feel like it is pretty evident from the the content within Revolutionary Girl Utena that part of its themes was about... Um, taking the, I was going to say taking the piss out of incest stuff that is so prevalent in anime. Maybe that's not, it's subverting is maybe a better way of putting that. <laughs> but, maybe. Um, I don't, you know, like it's, I haven't seen the entire ending and I don't remember everything that I did watch of Penguin Drum. I feel like it is safe to say that this is not going to come out like on the side of like, hey, being attracted to your sister is cool and fun. Yeah, I I don't think that's gonna be the moral of this show either. But I wonder what the moral of this show is going to be, because Well you and I both know at least vaguely the real life inspiration for this and for this series uh i don't a hundred percent know how all that is going to tie in i'm interested to see what that what that is what that means i have been spoiled on one detail of how it ties in unfortunately which okay well you and i I can maybe talk about that in this case it only makes me more confused which means that (laughs) i i feel like probably what's happening here is less like that it's not going to tie in and more being told the plot point in question Mm -hmm. without any of the context that leads up to and around that plot point will not give you a sense of what the show is doing so it's not really a spoiler so much as it is a fact about the show with no context. Sure, yeah. And uh, I'll be interested in hearing about that uh, outside of this conversation. And I will be yeah, interested I, I in will, how I will straight will... up actually be keeping mom about this because I want to see where this is going. Well, I want to know what you know in case that it's something I already know, you know? Ah, uh, no, I, I, I feel that. So, so well you and i will talk yeah. about this after the we'll, show we'll have but, to talk about this when the recording's done yeah but i'm also i'm interested in how all this ties together what all this is going to be based on all of the things that i do know um alice i'm interested in your thoughts i know that Cass watched episode two i don't think you did or did you I have not okay how do you feel just about episode one 
I have several conflicting feelings. Yeah. One, overall, I'm enjoying this so far. I continue to enjoy the first episode of every Akuni-related thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that also includes things that will have episodes, like the Shell Bullet album, which I've now listened listen to it oh works. interesting you didn't tell me this uh yeah actually i was going to tell you when we the day that we tried to record first and had technical <laughs> difficulties but it was kind of a little i see yes yeah it is by the way if anyone's not listen to it it is good it's kind of ambienty but it's pretty good i've put it in a video game <laughs> so i like it mm-hmm. i a lot of parts of it i really individually like i was gonna say them. that the way that you said i like it sounds like it comes with a lot of caveats <laughs> less caveat and more i'm had an epiphany watching this that yes i want to know what your very silly is. it's gonna sound very silly and it's that ikahara got picked to direct a season of sailor moon and never moved on artistically well he directed uh several seasons of sailor moon but i thought uh, we did one okay no he he did he did some he sailor did a moon couple of sailor moons and, and never moved on artistically and that's part of why i like him <laughs> every well, single thing he has done with the exception of shell bullet kind of ends up and also the and also the shoujo manga he did with uh saito inevitably ends up being this again in some way or fashion and i had this realization when i realized that the structure of it that whole structure that he repeats of the magical world transformation kind of structure makes the least sense here than it has in anything else i've seen <laughs> and yet it still is here it actually doesn't really work as well i don't care that it doesn't work as well but i notice that it doesn't work as well and yet it's here anyway and i don't object to it and that is strange something that i think is interesting about this use of the transformation scene is that like we kind of get a i mean we get like a reverse transformation scene. We see yeah. Himari like in her normal clothes with like the hat on. And then the next time we see her, she is in her princess of the crystal outfit. And then over the course of her little speech, she takes off clothes instead of putting them on. And, you know, like that's definitely intentional, but I think it's interesting. As much as I love transformation sequences, I I do kind of feel like a transformation sequence where her clothes disappear is probably a little more honest than one where they appear. As much as I love them in general. Yeah. The contextualization of it potentially having been a dream is weird. I like it, but it's very it's weird there at the end. But it just it's the one that's the least justified by what's going on. And that kind of made me realize that, yeah, like I've joked about this before that he just keeps doing this, but like he really does just keep doing it in this almost kind of auteur way. And I keep liking it. I'm <laughs> what I'm if I could summarize all my conflicted feelings, it would be the fact that I keep that I keep liking that he does the same thing over and over is interesting to me. And I'd like to see if the show has something I can point to and say, and that's why I keep liking that he does it interesting yeah i'm i will love to hear your opinions as uh we go through penguin drum the three of us with varying levels of familiarity with what is going to happen also by the way as a fun fact um mm -hmm. the melodicas apparently there there are actually lots of different things that you can call it but melodica kind of means all of them okay that are in An the umbrella ending. term 
yeah, kind of a broad term. So that you see in the end, um, mm-hmm. those are pretty common everywhere. Yeah. But in Asia, they have a connotation as they tend to have a connotation as a an instrument you associate with teaching. Yeah, or I, with learning. Well, that's the vibe I got from the recorders or the the recorder that one yeah. of the girls has. So that absolutely tracks. I didn't know that, but uh, that that tracks. That's interesting. Yeah, that, that's like music classroom equipment. Yeah, which is which is kind of interesting to me to see it there. Like, oh, okay, like because the recorder has the same connotation with that. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. That's a little bit of a, a, a dual image there. I could say more about that, but that involves spoilers. So that's interesting. Okay. Well, at least just like the what you have said, like knowing certain things that makes a hundred and ten percent sense. I just can't exactly, like, I would have to be... You don't, you don't have a way to explain why without explaining a plot point you're aware of. Yeah, basically. And it's probably a plot point you'll be able to figure out pretty easily, but, yeah. you know, for, for the sake of our viewing experience, I will not reveal yet. Interesting, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's... I The way that I am saying it probably uh, makes it sound more important than it is. You know, it's just sort of a... It's like it's a, like a reveal that happens, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like the more I talk about it, the less I have a grasp on it. I might have to be the Spadaros on this one, where like the show <laughs> comes to me and I eventually get it. Because I have to say, I'm I don't dislike this show. Oh, but you're not enjoying. And I do not, and I am enjoying it actually. Like I, it is. You're skeptical. I am not sure where this is going, and I am profoundly uncomfortable, but also, (laughs) like, I can't look away. I feel like I'm watching someone tightrope walking between two buildings with no safety net, which is really (laughs) entertaining, but also really stressful. I would say that that's not unlike, kind of, just the way that this series came to exist like how can you really follow up something like revolutionary girl utina like the the amount of pressure on this as a as a piece of media could not have possibly been higher it, it could not have and i'm i'm very grateful that ikuhara found an audience with this because if he hadn't there's a good chance we wouldn't have gotten yurikuma or sarazanmai and you know, I, I really like both of those shows, and mm-hmm. especially Yurikuna, obviously. But it is sort of, as a work, this is going to be probably the hardest sell for Ikuhara, because Utena and Yurikuma, and even to an extent Sarazanmai, are all about things that spoke to me really quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't get them instantly, but, you know, you start Utena and it's like a pretty solid sell, uh, very easy to get into. You start Yurikuma, and once you kind of get past, I would say, like, the two-episode mark for Yurikuma, you're kind of vibing in Bear World until the mm-hmm. end. Especially the ending. Like, you know, Yurikuma makes you want to go back and turn around and watch the whole thing again, like, two or three times for me. Mm-hmm. And this show, I am going to say, is probably going to do that to me. Because mm-hmm. I remember being very confused by Yurikuma at first, too. But this one also... I think if we weren't doing it for this podcast, I would have had a harder time sticking with for as long. Mm-hmm. I might have gotten to episode two and kind of sat there for a minute and gone like, this seems really, really interesting. And I don't know if it's for me. 
mm-hmm. and moved on to something different because it is really, really interesting, but also I don't know what I can get out of what Iku... I don't know where this is going or what I will get out of it at the end in the way that I could guess what I was going to get out of Utena and Yurikuma, if that makes sense. Can I... I have I I have a, a statement about that potentially and you can tell me if I'm, you know, like if if I'm off the mark, but is it possible that one of the reasons this is not immediately resonating with you is that so far we have almost no queerness? You know, I'd say that, except the ending is kind of weirdly, weirdly gay. Okay, yeah, but like, I'm talking about like the full. Oh, yeah, like in the in the actual show. Um, aside from these, aside from like, are you telling me that this femboy is straight? That's not what I said. I am saying <laughs> that this show. Alice, you had to say that. I could be off base, but. Unlike Utena and Yurikuma, we are not really getting very much overt queerness, like, from the very start of the show. And not to imply, like, oh, you're not going to care about something because it's not gay. But I'm wondering if, like, that is a factor in your less uh, latching onto it as quickly as other Ikuhara projects. That is almost entirely probably what's going on. I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> when I say I'm not getting anything out of it as directly, I mean like well, it, it was easy for not me to as grabbed, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I think that like and the, the funny thing is like, it's not like I've never gotten deeply into, you know, pieces of media that are not yeah. uh, about queerness or, you know, queer Which people. Is I mean why I hesitated a little to say this but yeah like i mean i it's all base yeah it's not it's not base it's just and i I think that the dividing line here is that like when i get into a lot of those types of media i tend to my tastes are like soft gay yuri and the most shonen thing you've ever seen in your life Mm -hmm. written for people about five years like who are between the ages of five and and uh 16 Mm-hmm. which usually for boys means the emotional maturity of five-year-olds. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. So like that might be what's hitting, what's hitting me weird here is like, or not hitting or, or not hitting. Yeah. It's what's not hitting me here is like the show is transgressive and weird, but it's mm-hmm. transgressive and weird in a way that is more opaque to me with less of a promise. It's that I can't decode it as easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you've, you've got less of a foot in the door than you would, you know, when you're watching Yuri Kuma for the first time and you're a closeted lesbian. Yeah, like, everything in Yuri Kuma is going to speak to you on some level if you're gay, if you, especially if you're a gay woman, because you get what they're doing, and if you're, especially if you've read a lot of, you know, girls love manga, like, mm-hmm. you see these character designs and you have immediate sort of impressions. Yeah. Whereas you're watching Penguin Drum and the show looks great. It sounds great. It feels great. It might be the most... I cannot think of another Ikuhara production that's had this much loving work done on environments. Can we tangent for a minute here? Absolutely. I feel like I've been shitting on this show by accident and I need to praise it for a minute. <laughs> Holy shit. Everything about their house is impeccable. 
impeccable. Oh my gosh, yes. The the environments in this show, like, I mean, when it, like their house, like the inside of the train, like everything is so... God! It just feels so there. It feels so drawn from real life. Whereas Utsuna is, you know, a little more fantastical. Yurikuma is a little more fantastical. This, like, the environments that characters are in feel so real. Yeah, they like, feel so constructed, like the way that like humans exist in the world. They do, and like what's interesting about it is if you look at the environments more, they're both real and unreal at the same time, which is really oh sure off because like there, there's like an exaggeration there, but yeah. it's an exaggeration that's drawn from real life as opposed to like the way that. I, I mean, it, it's a little closer to the exaggeration in Yuri Kuma, but I feel like Yuri Kuma is a little slightly more fantastic or slightly less grounded than this. This feels more grounded. I would actually say the opposite. Interesting. Because like the shots in Yuri Kuma that are the most like this are the shots inside the psycho house. Mm-hmm. And most of them are not this dense with detail. It looks a little more spare, but it looks also a little more like an actual room in certain shots. Mm-hmm. And like everything is like very, very like the most exaggerated thing about it is that everything is very cozy and twee. But if you've ever seen Japanese like kitchen accoutrement and like some of the stuff that's like a little more common over there in terms of like, this is stuff you can buy to stock your little, your little homestead. Like that's what a lot of that stuff looks like. The fact that it's all very, very cutesy and on theme is a little is really the only exaggeration there. If there's stuff that's exaggerated in Yurikuma, it's probably more the fact that like the art style is soft and watercolor. Yeah, in I a guess lot of places. when I look at like the like the rooms, like the ho- like the rooms in the house in Penguin Drum, it feels a little more like, oh, people are living here versus yeah. like this is We're- like yeah as designed even if it's like a little exaggerated it feels slightly more lived in which is why i yeah probably interpret that as a little more grounded yeah which is it's not wrong but also like it feels more lived in but simultaneously if you look at like the outside space around the house oh yeah like all the stuff there it that environment could have come out of you know a painting or it's sort of a it's almost like a heightened reality it is. like that's exactly what it is the netflix show heartstopper which i will not talk too much about on this episode i promise but the netflix show heartstopper some of the actors in it have described it as being kind of a fantasy world because even though it is very like grounded in like the real world that we exist in it also has things that like we don't you're not necessarily gonna have it it, it, in a normal like living situation like there's like a like a cutesy pop-up milkshake shop and like just like places where you can have cute cutesy environments to be in but that look like they could exist in the real world but probably do not that's kind of how i feel about a lot of the stuff in penguin drum yeah like every single shot of this house is like simultaneously this is probably drawn partially from a real place but also this is how a child would remember a place like this idyllically yeah and i think that might be on purpose 
Oh, definitely. Like, I think that might be the specific vibe they're going for, but I could not tell you why. Other than, you know, if I'm going to make a guess about this series, it's probably going to have to do with, like, how growing up in adverse circumstances can kind of trauma bond and stunt you. Mm-hmm. And those relationships aren't always healthy. Because mm-hmm. that is thus far the vibe I get from our three leads. Yeah. But I could not tell you if that is actually what's going on. Because I've also seen episode two, and that throws a whole other thing in. Yeah, we <laughs> will. That the show's going to be about as well. We will get there in our next recording for sure. Good lord, I am sorry I talked you were off. Why are you apologizing? I have you on my podcast so that you can talk and I don't have to. <laughs> Do we have any closing thoughts before we wrap up our first Penguin Drum episode? Not really. I, I think mostly right now we're kind of in a holding pattern way to see what happens next. Yeah. At least on the side of the mic. I would say that overall, I am excited to see the rest of it. Like, I was a little not sure how I was going to feel about this one. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of won me over. I feel like this is the one that you've gone in knowing the least about, maybe? I like, know nothing. Well, just in ter- like in comparison to like your experiences yeah, going like, I, into... Yeah, like I'm saying, I know even less about this one than I knew about Utena even. Because like with Utena, I knew, at least I knew the sword thing. Yeah, it, this is probably comparable to uh you were not in the like podcast episodes about sarah zanmai but i know that you watched it this is almost like you're watching a new ikuhara show for the first time from how little you actually know about it that's yeah cast you have any final thoughts i cannot wait to talk about episode two (laughs) i need to unburden what i have seen this show goes some places, and I am here for it, but also, I am not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited. I know that Yuri Kuma is, like, kind of the most, I don't want to say controversial, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The most polarizing of uh, Ikuni's work, but Penguin Drum is also pretty polarizing, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see where we land on that yeah absolutely (laughs) if Cass if you have anything about episode two that you would like like if if it's just like burning you up if you if you need to ask any questions before we record you can always shoot me a dm and i can see uh you know if if we want to or if you if you need to ask anything before we get do the next recording because it will probably be a couple of weeks from when we are recording this just because of uh life stuff yeah yeah Uh, yeah listeners by the time that this episode comes out i will be moved into a new house and that sucks ish but you know it'll be fine and allison castor can come help me move hell yeah yeah All right. Well, listeners, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at UsanaCast. And if you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at MPandanata. Alice, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Cass, what would you like to plug here in the plug section of the podcast? Please check out my podcast with Alice, Big Steppy. You can find it wherever podcasts are freshly gathered and marketed. (laughs) It is also, uh, if you want to 
to ask us questions about the show, such as are the episodes all back up yet, which at time of recording, I don't think they are, but they will be soon. A lot's been going on. A lot's been going on, and we will finally probably be getting them up. Please uh, find us on Twitter at SteppyCast. That's S-T-E-P-P-Y cast. And if you would like to help support this show, you can do that at utanacast.com or imagine me in utana.com and if you would like to get in touch with us if you would like to come on an episode we have a google form in our pinned tweet you can fill that out to let us know a little bit about you and what you would like to talk about anything within the broader ikuni verse and if you don't want to fill out the form if you just want to give us some sort of uh if you would just like to give us your comments concerns questions you can do that at imagine me and utina at gmail.com and you know i didn't come up with a sign off for this do you guys have any ideas as to what we should say survival tactic yeah okay on on three we'll all just say survival tactic one or uh, at the count of one because i'm going to count down from three three two one survival Survival tactics